Hello and welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Matt Infante, joined as always by Adam H. Beasley, who may just be the team's newest linebacker at this rate, perhaps. Uh, Adam, how are you? Uh, For those of you listening and not watching, uh, I decided to think warm for this week's podcast. I am wearing one of my favorite golf shirts. It's got nothing but flamingos on it. Bright blue. Couldn't be more Florida than this. Because in just four days' time, I am going to die. Well, probably not die, but I might lose an appendage or two. Uh, going to Kansas City. Where... Aren't you from Pennsylvania? Oh, come now. Like Pennsylvania, chilly. Midwest, and where I went to Syracuse, got awful cold, okay? Like, I, I think it snows like twice a year in PA, and it's maybe like three, four inches. Like, they don't have significant winters. Uh, the forecast, which I just wrote about on ProFootballNetwork.com, is horrendous. It is so scary, man. It's a uh, high of 10 on Saturday. Kickoff at 820, is it? 820, 815, something like that? I believe, yeah. Uh, five degrees, wind chill of negative 10, which makes it or will make it the coldest game in the Miami Dolphins' 58-year history. And I am not looking forward to it. And the only reason, well, there's multiple reasons, but the most recent reason is because they couldn't hold on to a fourth quarter lead against their biggest rival. Okay. Um, well, before we get to what we witnessed um, painfully on, on Sunday, you talk about the coldest, you know, this will be the coldest game. The previous coldest game, there's some symmetry there. It was in Arrowhead against the Chiefs, and the Dolphins won with, I believe, Chad Pennington beating Tyler Thigpen. Is that, I believe it was 2008, so it was definitely Pennington. I think it was Tyler Thigpen who was the quarterback of the Chiefs, and that was a game that they were actually trailing and had to come back to get them in position to win the division um, against the Jets a couple weeks later. So, symmetry, arrowhead, cold weather. Um, Tyler yeah. Thigpen is a little different than Patrick Mahomes. I, and I also, and also, Joey Porter ain't walking through that door. Okay, if he did, he might be one of their best options. <laughs> okay, so Adam, let's talk about what we saw. Um, and, and what we did see was the Dolphins get a fourteen-seven lead, and um, they they got there in a very um, interesting way, right? They 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 turned over Josh Allen because that's what Josh Allen does where he makes some amazing plays, and he also gives the ball back a lot. Uh, and then the second half happened. Um, and I don't really know what to say. There's a lot to, to kind of talk about here. I, I think my starting point uh, for this discussion with you would be how the Dolphins got the ball back with a 14-7 lead two different times in the second half and could not even make it a two-score game. But we're not talking about, you know, some people say like they could have iced the game. No, one of those was mid-third quarter they got the ball. But, boy, making it a two-score game is a different feel than giving the, you know, the, the Bills the ball back at 14-7 twice because you're just asking for it at that point. I would have settled for a first down, man. I mean, that's the thing is that they had 14 plays in the second half. 14 plays. That's a drive, right? That's what they had in the totality of the second half. They had – 57 yards. You and I were talking about this uh, on Slack last night. The idea that Mike McDaniel, offensive guru, I watched the national championship game last night. Washington 
runs the McDaniel playbook. Like so many of their concepts we saw last night. And they, those were new concepts to 2023 for Mike McDaniel. He is a revolutionary, cutting-edge offensive mind. Of course, no one has all the answers. Some people have bad games. But the idea that an offense led by Mike McDaniel, Tua Tungabailoa, Tyreek Hill, Teron Armstead, and Devon Achan, who might be the best running back on their roster, had 57 yards in the second half. Um, and, and and 14 plays, I think three first downs, two of which came on that final drive. I, it doesn't compute. Like it doesn't, it, it is an historically embarrassing performance in the biggest game of all of those people's lives. Maybe not Tyreek. He played in the Super Bowl, obviously. It's not the biggest game of his life to date, but certainly the biggest game that he's had is a Miami Dolphin, right? Um, and what you pay him $30 million a year to show up for, um, I, 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 I'm almost at a loss for words, and that's saying something, Fonte. Yeah, so um, it's a lot to a lot to unpack here. Penalties, drop passes, misfires by by the quarterback in the second half. Um, it's just in the first half when when you're averaging seven yards a play, gain 218 yards. Running the ball at will, right? I mean, Achan and, and Wilson combined for a little over 90 yards in the first half, almost six yards a carry. They abandoned the run in the second half. Um, and, and you can talk a little bit about game script and all, but their first possession was three passes in the second half, right? Three passes, three and out. All, all completed, by the way. The, three for three for about eight yards, I believe it was. Or, or nine yards, and they end up. Um, yeah, nine. It was. It was. It was fourth and one. They went like I think it was six yards, two yards, one yards for those. Three right. Locations. That was the Bar- was the Braxton Berrios play that he didn't. He ran the uh, the route short of the sticks and right. Was we kept short. Okay, so refusal to to, to run the ball there. Um, then when they got the ball back again, they didn't run the ball. Um, so so the play calling, you know, I have a lot of questions about. Okay, and the other part. Go, go back and look at those situations, and I'm not making excuses for not running the ball at all. There were plays to be made, okay? Right. They, there, there were plays that were there. And you know, we're, we're, we're going to spend the next 40 minutes or whatever it is getting into a lot of these thorny issues. But Sunday was the first time in two years that McDaniel even hinted at real criticism of Tua Tungabailoa. And he did it, obviously, and is upbeat, you know, you know, he, he's not a flamethrower by any stretch of the imagination. But he said two things. One, we cannot throw those interceptions. Can't do it. And two, he said, well, we didn't run the ball in the second half because it was nothing but single high looks. I'm sorry, if you want to be a $50 million a year quarterback, if you want to lead your team to the Super Bowl, you have Tyree Kill. I know Jalen Waddle isn't out there. Okay, fine. Braxton Barrio is still a serviceable player at the very least. Cedric Wilson's made a lot of big plays for this team this year. Single high looks against this offense in this scheme should be green light throw every single down. It should, and it should be chunk play after chunk play after chunk. No, right, and um, a couple of the the passes that, that Tua did make um, were dropped, right? And, and the other criticism I, I would make of Tyreek Hill, and I think I, you wrote something about Tyreek Hill and drops, and is it a cause for concern? 
was the offense in general after that overturned play. It should have never even got to that point. The, the offense did not hurry up to the line when two, when, when, when Tyreek dropped that first and 15 pass. It went for about 14 yards, right? And then right. They, they ended up reviewing it. They couldn't have taken their time anymore if they wanted to. The, the, and that's either on the quarterback or on the coach or both. But that was a, a, a big game-changing moment because they did not recover from that on that. Yeah, position. no, 100%. Uh, we, we didn't get into that nitty-gritty simply because there were so many other failures on Sunday night. But my guess, just watching it in real time, and I had the same exact thought you did in real time. Um, my guess is that they were confident they had a catch. Like, that's the thing is that Tyreek thought he caught the ball. And so I was like, why should we hurry up? They're not going to challenge us. I caught the ball. Um, obviously, it was wrong. Although, you go back and look at that, you could make a case that it was pinned between his forearms. When he was on the ground, he certainly didn't have it in his hands. But if you pin it between your forearms, that's still a catch. I was a bit surprised that they thought that that was enough conclusive evidence to overturn. Certainly, I could absolutely see it as a drop for sure. But that's not the standard. Like the standard is, do we have con conclusive proof? Yes, the ball hits the ground. The ball's allowed to hit the ground if it doesn't move. Um, so my guess is, getting back to your point, they thought they had the catch. And, okay, if you want to give us a free timeout to get our minds straight, fine. We're, we're, we're second and one. Obviously, they were wrong. Wasn't that the drive that ended up at second and 30? Yes, that, <laughs> that is. So at the drive, it started out penalties, right? You had, you had Armstead go false start. Then you had that overturned reception then you had the alec ingold block in the back or what was whatever that, that was. what was that i mean how was that how was that a block in the back the, 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 that was yeah or uh, blind side, I, like I, a crack, crack back block is what they call it it was a crack yes but I, I don't know i i've seen that a lot watching red zone on sundays you know every day this year you you see those kinds of plays and it's it's not called you know what the difference between this offense and earlier in the year was? They could overcome that stuff. Like, second and 15 wasn't a death sentence for this offense from the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah, third and 11, we got this. We're fine. A um, couple of things are different, obviously. You don't have Tyreek Hill at full strength and didn't have Jalen Waddle or Raheem Mostert at all in that game. So, yeah, I, I mean, the injuries that offense have are – I mean, they're going into the – it's. The, the, the advanced statisticians will give you grief because, no, the Browns are on their fourth-string quarterback, so they're way more injured than the Dolphins are. The Dolphins at least have their quarterback. But from a functional standpoint, Joe Flacco is more effective than Deshaun Watson was right now. I mean, so from an effective standpoint, no one, no team has lost more throughout the course of the season uh, than the Dolphins. Um, and quite frankly, I'm surprised they're not more than three-and-a-half-point road dogs. Yeah, I mean – even in that game, though, to, to your point, they converted a what was it third and fourteen in the first half on their first scoring drive. So it, it was just the way everything was going in, the, in in that first half. They were moving the ball. Well, I was concerned about the defense because outside of a couple, you know, Josh Allen boneheaded decisions, and, and it's not just the interceptions; it's throwing that that pass short of the end zone right before the half that saved the Dolphins as well. I was not concerned about the offense. Heading into the half, I was like, okay, we'll, we'll score two more touchdowns probably at least. Can, can the defense hold them? It was just stunning to see the failure. And, and even the, the things that were working in the first half just stopped working. And very little, you know, um, kind of adjustments. And frankly, they went away. So things were, you know, 
that were working in the first half, not working in the second half. Well, they didn't even try any of those misdirection pitches. I, I, I don't believe at all in the second half when those were picking up, you know, chunks at a time for, for HN and, and for Wilson. They, they stopped that. The, the passing game just seemed to just forget how to, to, to execute and then some, some bad penalties. And it just, it all kind of mixed together into a second half disaster for the offense where the defense actually can, you know, surprisingly played, played well, held it together. This was not on the defense, even though they were undermanned. Yeah, no. Um, it, to me, I don't remember them possessing the ball in the second half, except for that last possession. Like, seriously, I don't have strong memories. I have to go back and watch the game again. I don't have strong memories of them having the ball because it was you blink your eyes and it's it's gone. Like, what was their time possession in the second half? It was like six, seven minutes, something like that. I mean, that's that's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I th- I think on any one of those drives, honestly. If they had a first play, first down, like first and 10 on one of those drives, and they had a chunk play for 12, 15 yards, it would have been a completely different dynamic. It would have. They just could never get started. And the penalties killed them, of course. The drops killed them. Uh, it's funny. Daniel got a little salty yesterday when uh, when one of my colleagues asked him about Tyreek's drops. But it's not a media creation. It's a real thing. I mean, he two things can be absolutely true. That Tyreek Hill has had the best receiving season in Dolphins history, one of the 10 best receiving seasons of any player in NFL history. Both the, That can be true. And also, man, he's kind of disappeared in biggest games. Like, he's kind of, like, I remember vividly, Philadelphia game, drop touchdown. Mm-hmm. Baltimore, an egregious drop touchdown. Mm-hmm. Sunday, I don't know if he was credited with the drop officially, but he had three or four more plays where he should have made the catch. The play that thirty million dollars receivers need to make those catches, um, including on the last drive when he was when was Dane Jackson probably saved a touchdown by 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 interfering with him. Still, he still should have caught that. Still yeah. should have caught that pass and had a head of steam, you know, going downfield. So, um, you know, if you. I said it about last week. It's doubly true this week. What's Tyreek's legacy as a Miami Dolphin going to be if the games that you pay him to dominate in, he can't make the basic catches? Yeah, and he will have his opportunity to redeem himself here. And um, in kind of a stage where, you know, the NFL script writers, I mean, could they have gotten it any more right? You have. Tyreek going back to Kansas City in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so he'll have an opportunity, right? So he he can right those wrongs and have a big oh, game. There's a, and, there's a bunch and, of those storylines. Cowboys, Packers. I mean, can the yeah. Cowboys finally beat Green Bay? Um, uh, Deshaun Watson, yep, the ghost of Deshaun Houston. Watson going to Houston. Obviously, yep. uh, he's not playing because he's hurt. Um, and Stafford going back to Detroit. Like, there's some yeah. fun storylines this weekend. I think. For as mediocre as most of the regular season was, this could be a really fun playoffs. It really could. I think the I think the NFL. I would have preferred to have seen Jacksonville than Pittsburgh in the playoff field because I think Jacksonville is a better team, but maybe not after the egg they laid down the stretch. They're the more talented team, particularly in offense for sure. Uh, they're the more interesting team to watch. But beyond that, I don't think the NFL could have asked for anything better with the fourteen teams that are in the NFC. You know, they, they also have a bunch of mediocrity after the top, but you get brands like Baker Mayfield, the Bucks, 
the Green Bay Packers, like those aren't good teams, but they're interesting teams. I think the NFL got really lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but, but of course, as a Dolphin fan, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about what might have been, right? Because they shouldn't, and you wrote this, the Dolphins should not have even been in a situation where they had to play their starters on Sunday. And it all comes back to that Titans game. Um, and at the time watching it, it felt like a, a bad loss. Um, but still, you know, you had all December in front of you. You can overcome it and never foresaw the collapse that we saw here where they end up, you know, not winning the division. But even if everything plays out the way it did and the Titans uh, and the Dolphins just find a way to hold on in that Titans game, Dolphins are the two seed and their path to an AFC title game is home against Pittsburgh and then either home against the Chiefs, the Texans, or the Browns. Now it's in Kansas City, in Baltimore. Like the, that, that, that is an amazing uh, change, you know, of events there. The, the butterfly effect, some might say. Uh, all based on blowing a game that they had no right losing. Can we be honest for a second, though? Are the Dolphins any better than the sixth best team in the AFC at this point? Uh, no, I, I, they are. Assuming you get Waddle back. And- okay, you, you might be better. You might be the fifth best team. You might be better than the Texans. You're not better than the Ravens. You're not better than the Bills. We just saw that play out. We'll see on Saturday if they're in the same neighborhood as the Chiefs. I, I would say at this point, no. Um, not better than the Browns at this point. So at, uh, it, at, it's close. At best, you're the fifth best team in the AFC. So yeah, because they have they have an insane amount of talent on IR, and that won't be on the field. If they were full strength, and you can say that about every team, but if they were full strength, it's a different. I will different say- conversation. I will say this, Matt. They did lose to Buffalo by 28 points of full strength. I mean, it's not like this team was just smoking everybody when they were at full strength. No, I, I know. Listen, they should be criticized for everything that Dolphin fans like myself, although I tried to stay out of it, would would, would you know um, defend them for. When everyone's talking about they can't beat good teams and they're frauds, I have no comeback. Yeah. You know what? You're probably right. You're probably right. And they'll have a chance to prove, you know, to prove themselves here in Kansas City. But um, I think it was the ringer had a great stat. They were one in five against playoff teams, a minus 91 point differential against playoff teams, which is the third worst in the NFL. Only the only teams better were the Giants and the uh, worst were the Giants and commanders had a worse point differential against playoff teams. Like, and, and what's wild is you go and look at their stats Tua and Tyreek in those games against playoffs. I'm glad you mentioned that because I have it for you. Go for it. I'm glad you mentioned it. So Tua, his splits against the Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills twice. So the playoff teams. Uh, A rating of 110 uh, versus the other teams, rating of 84 against those playoff teams. But but I don't want – not just rating. Look at completion percentage. Goes from 71% to 65%. Passing yards per game goes from 293 to 232. Yards per attempt is over nine against those other teams. And it's 6.87 against those playoff teams. And the touchdown interception ratio, 22 to eight versus seven to six. Um, So now I, I wanted to ask you this, but I guess we're here. So we might as well ask, what do you do 
this offseason. Let's say Sunday goes as we expect. The Dolphins lose. I don't care how they lose. By a lot, by little. They lose. Season's over. Dolphins have an interesting situation because they have their quarterback playing on the fifth-year option at just over $23 million. They need that cap space, though. Everyone assumed that Tua would play well. You would extend them, lower the cap number in 2024, and, and move on. Can you do that at this point? Well, let's let's get a couple of um, caveats. Is th- they, you say they lose? Do they lose 45-41 and they lose on a Mahomes drive length of the field with two minutes left in the game? Uh, or no. do they? Oh, they don't lose that way. So they lose. No, if they lose that way, the conversation is much different. They lose, and in a similar fashion, they lost to Buffalo. Um, the defense does enough especially undermanned, and the offense just can't get it done, scores 10 to 17 points. Well, you definitely don't make him the highest-paid player in National Football League history. Right. Okay, that's step one. Uh, because that was on the table a month ago. Oh, absolutely. You know, Before you know, that Titans game, I, I think everyone was, ex- was expecting it. You're going to extend him. He's going to be the, you know, the highest-paid player until the next one overpasses him, and that's where he slotted in. Yeah, so he would have gotten between fifty and fifty-five million dollars a year, somewhere in that range, maybe one hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty guaranteed, and um, he would have he would have been the bedrock of your franchise for at least the next three or four years, at least. Um, can't do that now. You do that now, and you're making the same mistake that Adam Gase made, that Mike Tannenbaum made, where you see enough, you have a good sense that hey. We got a quarterback. We don't have the best quarterback, but we got a quarterback. Let's give him, you know, a market contract. And in fact, uh, the Tannehill contract wasn't even record-breaking. It was good, but it wasn't what we're talking about what Tua would have been. Um, So, you know, let's let's give him, you know, a a solid BB-plus contract for a quarterback and roll with him. Well, when you roll with someone who has proven that he has a hard ceiling – um, don't be surprised when the team has a hard ceiling. Don't be surprised that if you're Adam Gase and you're pulling your 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 hair out in year two and year three, well, year two because he can't stay healthy, and uh, year three because of you know performance. Don't be surprised if you're looking for another job. Is and I think that's really and we're going to talk about McDaniel at length, I believe, but that's really what the question needs to be. I'm not going to talk about Chris Greer because that guy's invincible. Like he is bulletproof. But um, but McDaniel, like, does he want to tie his career to a quarterback when the lights came on, had bad game in Baltimore? Good first so, half, but bad second half against Buffalo. Yeah. And then we go to Kansas City and see what happens there. If, you know, can you say, okay, we're winning a Super Bowl with this dude, and? Let's go. And not only, by the way, Infante, I, I want to let you speak because I'm a blowhard here. A blowhole, too. But um, but but that name got shot down. It did. Uh, but not only, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to commit to you. We're going to expect a different result from the same thing we've seen from the four years prior going forward. But we're going to do it in a way that it is going to consume a fifth of our salary cap, maybe even more. How do you how do you justify that? Right. So so then, what do you do? Because he can't play on 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 fifty year option. Because they have. I mean, if they do that, they're not bringing back 
a fraction of the guys that they probably should or need to. Um, well, so, the fifth-year fifth year option is only like 21 million bucks. 20, I mean, 20, 20. Like, okay, so what, are you going to lower the cap number to 10, to 5, to 10, something like that? Well, I mean, that was, all along, that was the idea, right? And I suppose you can do it creatively with void other, years and, and things like that. Contracts. Um, no, I, 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 I think the – the short-term relief that you would get from a Tua contract extension would be far outweighed by the long-term pain if you're not so, if you're not sold in the guy. Like you got to think beyond 2024 at that point. Um, and, and and here's the thing: is that if you if you don't think Tua can win you a Super Bowl, and if they come if they they walk away from this experiment this year thinking we're with Tua. Anywhere between nine and eleven years, or line, line eleven wins. If the division breaks our way, we'll host a playoff game. If not, we're going on the road, right? That's that would be what you would say going forward with Tua. We need to win a Super Bowl. You need an incredible running game. You need an incredibly dis- disciplined uh, uh, team from penalty standpoint and turnover standpoint, and you need your defense to stay healthy and play great. That's asking a lot. And that's why these teams pay these quarterbacks 50 to $55 million a year because they paper over a lot of that. Josh Allen papers over a lot of deficiencies on the Bills. I don't still think you should count out the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl this year. I know they're they're not a, they're a lesser team. They got Patrick Mahomes, okay? And they got Chris Jones, and they got a really good defense. And they got – there's no reason to, to doubt Patrick Mahomes being able to elevate that team. There is – four years of evidence to doubt Tua Tungabailoa being able to do that. Um, so that's, you know, that's the thing is that, no. So you're asking me what I would do. Uh, at the very least, I would say no to that contract. No to, you know, what we, we just discussed. That's that's step one. Then you go to Tua and say, hey, do you want to be here? Like, is is is, is Mike McDaniel, the, what he's done to your career – do you think you can replicate this somewhere else? Right. Um, and if he comes to realization, ah, uh, this is as good as it gets here. Maybe you think about maybe like a Daniel Jones type contract, you know, something that a year or two. And then if 2024 is a repeat of 2023, you draft one. Like that's, that to me is the ideal plan. I don't think, you know, some people are like, Oh, we can, we can move on this year. It's really hard because they're going to end up with what at the best the nineteenth pick in the draft, like at best. So probably something like 21, 22 is going to be if, even if they lose this week and where they're going to end up. Um, so would you then see if you can convince a top ten team to take Tua and that pick to let you move up to nine to eight or nine to get the fourth best quarterback off the board? Like is that is that your plan? No. What I, I think what they should do, and this is what I'm going to write on Sunday if they lose, is one way or the other think about the future in 2025 and do whatever you can to get your quarterback situation to a place where you want it to be in 2025. If you're convinced that two is not the guy, if that means giving him a two year, like a one year extension to your extension, if he's willing to sign it, fine. Yeah, it's fine. Cause even still, you bring a guy in, you have, a, you have a veteran quarterback who we can learn under two is not a guy to make waves. He's not going to be one of those. It's not my job to mentor. He's, he's the consummate teammate. He's not that at all. Um, but if he balks at that contract, year to year, buddy. And if I can find a way, if I can find a way to move on this year and get someone better, I do it. But the odds are stacked against him because of just all the things we just talked about. 
It's amazing. I'm shaking my head. Every January, it's it's the same thing for for, for this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're talking about. Every January, it, it never changes. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, do, you, so, do you do you think anything I just said was wrong? You think anything I said was off base? No, it's just we're, two months ago we were talking about this year and next year are the window for them. Load up. This is the window. And now we're talking about 2025. How do we get a new quarterback? Um, and, and two months ago, you would have been crazy for saying that. And, and now it, it, it's certainly in play. We'll see how Sunday goes or Saturday night goes, but certainly in play. It's incredible that we're here after where we were entering December, right? Um, but for Dolphin fans, it, it, it's the same thing. It's the same thing seemingly every year. Um, and, and now I have to raise the next question to you because every year we, we have to ask this question, it seems like. And what happens when Mike McDaniel, if this, I don't want to call it historic collapse, this is a pretty epic collapse, uh, even by Dolphin standards, from where they were three games up in the division with five to go to a first-round exit, potentially. The, let's say they lose. You're not getting rid of McDaniel now, but is next year a, a hot seat year for Mike McDaniel? I think what this, and I know it's been written elsewhere, um, and has had enormous blowback on social media that they lose their own hot seat, and I'll get your thoughts on it in a second. Um, I'm going to say this. If you're the owner of a franchise that fires one head coach after digging through the bleep, the pile of bleep sewage that 2019 was to get them to back-to-back winning seasons in 2020, 2021. And in that span, have a 10-win season, you're the only 10-win team in 10 years or whatever, not to make the playoffs. And the next year, come back from what was a six or seven-game losing streak, seven-game losing streak, to be one result away from making the playoffs down the stretch. And then you turn around and you fire the uh, fire him and you fire the next guy who rehabbed Tua Tungabailoa, who the league thought couldn't play, and got you to back-to-back playoffs. McDaniel's not the one who's going to go in that situation. It's Tua, right? Tua is the one that will be the one who, who, who's the fall guy. And, if, and I think – McDaniel was smart enough not to tie himself indefinitely to any one player. He was wise to bear hug to it because that was the organizational decision that we can rehab this guy. And they were right. They, there is that this team is, it's been the best two year stretch they've had since the early two thousands. Right. This they were, they, they made the right gamble. The question they're going to have to ask is, is there another level we can get to with him? And if not, do we need to move on? And it would be stunning to me, considering what is there? Is forty percent of their salary cap is going to be on the injured list this week between IR and inactives? I mean, assuming Xavier doesn't play, like there, you got to have some realism. But Infante, what I will say is this: how McDaniel handles this offseason will be incredibly instructive to see how. Um, things go forward from here. Adam Gase didn't lose his job. The number one reason that Adam Gase lost his job wasn't because they had a bad 2000 and whatever that was, 18, that was his last year. It was because he and Stephen Ross were like this. Okay? 
And the number one reason Brian Flores lost his job wasn't because they went nine and eight in 2018. It's because he and Chris Greer were like this. Okay. Uh, McDaniel's a smart guy. He is going to go the opposite direction of that. He is going to include Stephen Ross as much as he can in the planning. He is going to communicate with Chris Greer, which he already does at a very high level. Um, so I don't think I don't think that's the reason if he's gone, he's gone. Um, I do think, however, he needs to be open to some significant uh, adjustments. I don't know if anyone, and we can ask him tomorrow, anyone will defend Danny Crossman at this point. All right. They were last in uh, kickoff returns uh, going into the game this past week, and then they gave up a punt return for a touchdown. Okay. They've had no explosive plays in the return game. The only thing really that's gone well Bailey's been okay. Hasn't been great. He's been okay. And Jason Sanders has had a renaissance season. Beyond that, no rationale to keep being across. Sorry. There, there just isn't. Is he going to be like, boom, we're going to fix special teams. Is he going to look at the insanely long list of injuries that have been not just this year, but the last couple of years for this team and ask the right tough questions to the people responsible for keeping them healthy and strong? And if he doesn't get the answers he needs, is he willing to move people from their positions who have been in those positions for some time? Is he willing to do that? Is he willing to maybe figure out a way, figure out that it's really hard to both call plays and operate the game at the same time? Like, does he relinquish play calling responsibility or does he turn over some of the in-game stuff discreetly to someone else? Like, these are all issues that aren't – they're no secret. Like these are concerns that Dolphins have had uh, pretty openly for some time. Is he is he going to make those tough decisions? Is if the defense gets housed by the Chiefs and, you know, for the fourth time this year, give up a ton of points, uh, have a tough conversation with Vic Fangio, is he capable of having that conversation with Vic Fangio? Because you talk about there's a – you know, there's a big gap in experience and – you know, I know McDaniel's certainly respected around the league, but he's not Big Fangio. Is he able to handle that dynamic? So you're going to have to see personal growth, and and that's the thing is we here in sports take sports take land love one extreme or the other. Dolphins is going to be in the middle, and the middle is where they're going to decide whether or not Mike McDaniel is a great coach or just another pretty good coach that couldn't get it done here. The, the middle is where the Dolphins have lived for the better part of two decades. And and, and that's what's so frustrating about it. Um, so it, it's, it's, e- it's not easy. It's easier to go from being a bad team to a good team than good team to a great team, right? That That's the step that trips up so many. It's easy to get that turnaround. It's hard to become a championship caliber team from being a good team. And, and that's what we're going to see. The Dolphins are kind of in now. They're, they're a good team. How do they take the next step? As far as McDaniel's future, and I said this to you before, if they lose to the Chiefs, I mean, it's it's. I just turned 40 on Sunday night watching that disaster against the Bills. I was 16 years old the last time they won a playoff game. Okay. If they don't win one this year, they don't win one next year. Unless there's some kind of obvious reason or some catastrophic injury to to the quarterback, you know, things like that. 
I, I, I think I, I'm fine moving on. They, you, you, they oh, okay. Well, up. real, real you quick, you're, you're, you're going to hold his feet to the fire if dudes who just came off the street can't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes on Sunday or Saturday. No, no, no. All I'm saying is if they lose this team, well, they shouldn't have been in this position. They, they should have a home game. So, so that's on him. That, that, that Titans game, like that, that they shouldn't be having to go to Kansas City. So they're already in a spot they shouldn't be. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying I'm making changes after this week. What I'm saying is next year, then, if they don't win a playoff game, like I'm not asking for a lot. Literally, once the Lions beat the Rams, and I think they will, the Dolphins will have the longest playoff drought. Right now, the, the, the Lions have the longest playoff win drought. It was like 93 or something, 92, somewhere in there. Then it's the Dolphins in 2000. That's it. That So once the Lions win theirs. Yeah, like, but like, what, what? Okay, all right. All no, right. but just how long I, I, do I have to wait, I, I, Adam? I, I, how understand long? Your, I understand your point, but why does Mike McDaniel have to answer for the likes of Cam Cameron and Joe Philbin and all those just jokes no, they had? It's just the, the, the mediocrity. The discussion we had for about 20 minutes just before was about Tua's future and, and and all these things that we have every January about the current insert current quarterback's name basically, and it's just <laughs> if McDaniel is not going to solve this issue right and 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 bring wins, and a lot of what we saw in the second half, I, I mean, everyone wants to blame the play caller, and, and a lot of times it's not fair. But there were certain things that they went away from that are working in, in the first half, and you just have to wonder why, right? Why was he outthinking himself again? Uh, and he's done that sometimes this year, where the play calling gets a little gets a little sideways because he's probably overthinking things in, in the moment. And you have questions about game management. You know, this year it's great. We didn't we have, haven't seen the delay of games, right? We saw last year and all these procedural type things that we saw last year that we were criticizing him about. But I feel like it's something new every year that, that kind of pops up. Um, and, and, yeah, he's a first-year head coach, so I get it. But at some point, someone's got to take the fall. You said it might be the quarterback. Maybe it's both. If things if things don't change next year, because you, just, oh, you, you need to advance in the playoffs. Who are you going to bring in? Who are you going to bring in that's I know. better? I know. that. That's that, that's the thing. The firing is the easy part, Vontae. Yeah, it is. Right. It feels great to say, "Get out of here. You're yeah. bum." That's you're, what I say about bum. the quarterback too, all the time, and that's why it's so hard, right? Even when we had Tannehill here, it was well. How are you replay? How are you getting better? Because he's good enough. It's not easy to find a top ten quarterback. You have someone that's between ten and fifteen, which is where Tannehill may have been at his peak. How do you replace that? Not not easy. And, and two, well, I think is better than that. So it, I, I I don't know how you improve upon that immediately the, the difference is is that um if you re-sign if you keep mcdaniel it doesn't hamstring the rest of your entire roster it's not like okay two, two is still in his rookie deal if he's costing five million dollars against the cap next year we're not even having this conversation he has fantastic value they'll figure it out and they figure it out give him another year no i mean at the very least to your point he's going to cost them 23 million dollars against the cap next year at the, you know unless they and that's give him a, an extension and to do that, then you're stuck with him for four or five years after that. I mean, it's there, there are shades of gray. And I will also say this if you cut to a tongue of a today, there will be teams that are interested. 
there wouldn't be teams pounding down the door for him. Okay. That would be moving heaven and earth to get him. If you fired Mike McDaniel today, there would be a line out the door looking to hire that guy. He would have an interview with every single opening, every single opening that there is this this year in the National Football League. He'd be a fire today. But what happens if next year they go, they're nine and three, end up 10 and seven or 11 and six because of another late season collapse, stumble into the playoffs, first round exit? I mean, there's a lot of variable. There's a lot of nuance to, to how that unfolds next year. All I'm saying is it, it's certainly in the realm of possibility um, because I, I, I selfishly want a playoff win. I want one. I want one, Adam. Uh, we, we should probably start thinking about wrapping this up because um, news from – news alert, Manifold Network. You see this, Infante? I have not. The Dolphins are signing veteran often, uh, outside linebacker Justin Houston following all their recent injuries. Report from Mike Garofolo. Um Former chief, Justin Houston. Former chief, revenge game. Yeah. So we, we should probably wrap soon because I need to go write that story. Okay, well, let's – okay, so I'm, I'm done with my, my venting. I, I, again, though, I want one playoff win. I was 16 years old the last time they won. Okay. That's it, that, that's that's fine. I want to win Powerball. Okay, seriously, it's I not going to happen. It's not going to happen this year. It's not. Okay, um, so let let's talk about it. So, the Chiefs. Um, are, are you more concerned about stopping them or moving the ball on them, or just the weather in general? Frankly, I mean, yeah, I mean, all, all of the above. I, I, yeah, yeah. There's not a single matchup I like at this point. Um, I mean. Where 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 can you point to at this point and say, all right, the one place I can point to, Chiefs receivers versus Dolphins secondary, assuming Javon Holland plays, which is still not exactly slam dunk. But yeah, no, it's if 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 the Dolphins didn't get Jalen Phillips hurt, didn't get Bradley Chubb hurt, didn't get Andrew Van Ginkle hurt, didn't get Xavier Howard hurt, I'd really like their chances. But I. Mahomes is 9-2 at home in the playoffs. Uh, it's the coldest game ever in Dolphins history. I, I just don't see it, man. I think I, right. think it's more, I think it's more likely to be 35-13 than it is to be a, a Dolphins win. All right. I think we're both expecting the Chiefs to win. I, I think it'll be somewhat competitive. I don't think it'll be 35-13. Um, but, okay, are we in agreement there? Both think the Chiefs end up winning this game. So let me ask you one final question. What's the path? If the Dolphins win and we're here next week, what happened? Uh, two one bonkers. Is that so? It's an off. It's not a thirteen ten game. It's a thirty twenty seven game. Is that? It, it would be the offense in your view that has to get it yes. done. One hundred percent. And you should because that's where your money is. At least, yep. and still- you're going to have Waddle back and Mostert yes. back. You're going to have three functional running backs, an offensive line that is good enough. Um, yeah, and, and maybe Tyreek will go make a play against his old team that doesn't involve him dropping a a, a pass that probably shouldn't have been a fumble, but called a fumble that to turn for a touchdown that you know changes the entire game. Like last, and time. then if, if Tua has that in him, and then he goes to Baltimore and does it again, give him every penny you got. I mean, that seriously, then he's one answered. step at a time. What's that? One, okay, let's say he does it against Kansas City and then Baltimore. You know what? Let's let's table that. 
well, we will talk about that next week if um, the the unthinkable, the unimaginable actually happens and the Dolphins pull this off. Um, so prediction, real quick, score. G- give me a score. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's going to be in the range of, of like 27-10, two, three score Chiefs victory. And and, and I think it's, it's going to be one of those deals where they give you hope in the first half and then it just gets away from them in the second half again. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. Um, I think, yeah, the Dolphins won, will, will not get that elusive playoff win. I think it stays competitive to a fourth quarter pull away. Yeah, something like you said, 24-13, something along those lines probably feels right. Um, and we'll see. Hopefully we're both wrong. Adam, you'll be there. Make sure you pack your long johns and your, whatever you need to, to stay, you know, um, well in zero degree weather. Make sure you have it. And hopefully we'll see you back here next week. <laughs> um, so, uh, just re- just remember i will not be wearing this on saturday you totally should walk in with that on top <laughs> of all your sweatshirts and jackets and everything have have the flamingos out for everyone in the press box to see yeah, not a bad idea all right uh if you haven't subscribed you haven't subscribed yet please please do if you're watching on youtube be sure to like it uh leave a comment as well if you'd like maybe about adam shirt and we will see you back here next week on the pro football network miami dolphins podcast